Hi, I'm Maria Ramper, and welcome to this episode of Engineering Reimagined. For many, the chance to travel once again, experience the world beyond our borders, and reconnect with family and friends is a welcome reprieve from the years of lockdowns and closures, thanks to COVID-19. However, the pandemic has had a significant impact on the global travel industry, leading to decreased staffing levels, inconsistency in travel patterns, and fluctuating passenger numbers, causing uncertainty and challenges for airlines and airports, not to mention frustration for passengers. Add to this the still very real issue of carbon emissions from aviation, and the whole travel experience hangs, quite literally, under a cloud. But what if travel could be completely seamless and sustainable, from the moment you left home, through to the airport experience and eventual arrival at your destination? What if data about your travel movements could be collected on your smartwatch or phone, leveraged through technologies such as sensors, biometrics, geolocation and temporal referencing, integrated with physical infrastructure and securely shared across all different partners in the processing chain? And what if the carbon emissions from your journey could be reduced or depleted altogether? In this episode of Engineering Reimagined, Eric Creel, Oricon's Capability and Industry Leader, Aviation, speaks with Ryan Both, Executive General Manager, Aviation at Brisbane Airport Corporation, about the future of travel and how airports are being reimagined to help us to fly seamlessly and sustainably into the future. How is Brisbane Airport planning to integrate new technology and practices to create the ultimate human-centred, net zero carbon future focused travel experience particularly in the run-up to the olympic games in 2032 and what can we learn from their explorations so far good day ryan uh, thank you very much for joining us today like myself you're an aviator you've spent most of your career in the aviation industry what drew you to in the industry in the first place i've always been interested in flying and airplanes i really like the fact that aviation has a significant impact on society. It helps us to share scarce resources across the world and technologies making it even easier for us to do that virtually now, but there really is no substitute for being in person and uh, connecting with other humans. I think in the pandemic, we've really experienced the loss of that and an understanding of the true value of travel and what we can live without and what we can't. It enriches our lives. I, I love the, the fact that travel can broaden each person's experience, help them see the world and see other perspectives and other cultures and it's a great industry to be part of and a uh, big enabler of economic activity and um, as we come out of the tunnel now I hope we'll all re-emerge and regain our longing for travel and uh, go on that first big trip. I don't know where I'm going to go yet but uh, I certainly want to do one in the coming months. Like so many of us and in fact uh, you've mentioned of course about the, the pandemic and so recently the airports came through border closures and government restrictions and things starting to ease up and many airports then struggled with passengers queuing out the door and bags being misplaced. Passengers have really experienced long delays. Have you had experience at Brisbane and how have you been dealing with it? I think the whole industry's been going through a process of restarting. That's been a little bit bumpier, I think, than everyone would have liked. We were very fortunate that we managed the peak very closely in Brisbane and we had manageable queuing levels the whole time through the peak. In the pandemic, a lot of people left 
the industry and found other things to do. And some had a strong desire to return, some enjoyed the other thing they, they went off to do and have changed their lives. And so we have a job as an industry to attract people back in to the amazing fun of working at airports and for airlines and and in and around the industry, all the way through from linen services in hotels through to cleaning services, baggage, ramp, security screening, retail staff. It's not just the pilots and cabin crew that we're focused on. It's the whole workforce that really supports the industry. So that's really what you saw. It was the strain of not quite having the same level of resources and it resulted in congestion. We're in an engineering group here, so we can talk about flow rates and bottlenecks and systemic effects of small changes, and that's really what happened. The industry still has got a way to go because, like you mentioned, the traffic levels are not fully where we had them before COVID, and I'm pretty sure that's the same for you in Brisbane. We're at about 85% of domestic on average and, and about 30 to 35% of international. We have seen a strong pickup in international traffic recently, but off a very low base. New Zealand has been performing well, and so has Europe. Traffic's not consistent yet. People's travel patterns haven't restored, and they may not go back to what they used to be. There's certainly going to be some adjustment, but I don't think everyone's in a rhythm yet, how often I travel and why I travel, and a lot of organisations are still struggling with that too. What was good about the virtual working, remote working, flexible working, and what of that experience actually isn't good? and is harming culture or business relationships or growth. Getting through those conversations internally in every organisation and getting to the point where businesses really understand their travel rhythms and, and start travelling again, that's really the thing we're noticing. We don't have that same level of consistency. It's very much a story of peaks and troughs. Well, how do you see the new user of the airport? Because ultimately this is about the passenger moving on a journey. How do you see the user in all of this? And why do you think a user-centered approach to facilitating the passenger and possibly designing for the passenger might be important in the future as we recover? So there's a couple of things happening. Firstly, we have a destabilizing geopolitical environment generally as a macro trend. So that's an issue because it means that in general, the security posture will be more conservative. We're in a process of upgrading security screening equipment to the CT screening standard. But look, that aside, often there's a focus still on physical control points and physical processing points. Now, I like to think about these things as a system and think about the flow of the system in a seamless way between data and technology and mobile technology and physical world. When you have a security overlay, when you have a regulatory overlay, when you have very time critical processes that have a need for high levels of resilience, progress can be a little bit slower. We also have multiple stakeholders involved and we have passengers to educate, we have airlines to bring along the journey as well. The trend towards integrating data, data infrastructure and the sharing of data and using the power of the amazing devices that we have in our hands and pockets in the smartphone, leveraging biometrics, data, geolocation, temporal referencing, and integrating that with the physical world in the airport is really the key, and sharing that across all the different partners in that processing chain. And that's a complex problem to solve. That's the challenge for us over the next 10 years is to... Mm -hmm really move down that spectrum and find solutions that help us to 
get proper biometric identification at multiple points that help us to identify when someone's behaviour is conforming to what we would expect in a predicted sequence of events and help us to really take out any of the bumps in the road and make the journey as seamless as possible. Of all the things you've mentioned, do you spot anyone specific that you think will make the biggest impact to you in the next couple of years? What's the big ticket item in technology that you feel you need to respond to? I think the biggest issue is going to be developing a biometrics infrastructure layer. That's really the core to it all that can then integrate across CCTV. Check-in should be a thing of the past. So that's just recognition on your phone and the fact that you're around and you're heading towards the airport. And we need a modern process for that concept of check-in. But yes, a seamless bag drop. And an awareness that a passenger is coming, that they're on their way, they're likely to make their flight. As long as we know that, then the bag comes into the system, goes through screening, boarding gate should be automated, and then out the other side. The core to all of that is getting a biometrics infrastructure layer sorted out, and that's not cameras. It's the infrastructure that holds the biometric data in a secure way that is appropriately de-identified and the data is only shared in the right way. That feeds seamless passenger journeys, it feeds a reduction in operational expenses, it feeds a much better journey, reduced queuing, but also you can start to talk about things like the border with New Zealand, making progress towards a common border zone and trusted reciprocal data sharing in a much more detailed way between nations. It really requires that trusted data infrastructure layer to make it all work. We've seen through the COVID, one of the other things that come to the forefront is the decarbonisation of aviation. We saw globally the short-term impacts of lower levels of activity in manufacturing and travel. The European airports have committed to net zero targets similar to their governments. And, and we've even seen legislation in um, European countries where, for example, short-haul flights are prohibited or uh, at least reduced. What a Brisbane Airport Corporation doing around this and what are your plans and strategies to respond and deal with this emerging trend and pressure? So sustainability is really important to us as an organisation in Brisbane Airport. We undertook the first sustainable aviation fuel flights in Australia. We have a very ambitious sustainability agenda. We'll be making some announcements in the next couple of months. Our board has just signed off on some interim target changes. We We'll be pushing hard on scope one and two emissions, but looking well beyond that, because that's a problem we can solve, but looking well beyond that and then focusing on scope three emissions, both the land side emissions for vehicles coming and transport coming to and from the airport, but also aviation emissions. We're very fortunate to have a large mangrove zone at our airport and 186 hectares of biodiversity zone, which we intend to use for carbon removal. I think it's called blue carbon is the term. Our intention is that when we achieve net zero, it will be genuinely net zero with no offsets. We will remove the residual carbon on the airport estate or the adjacent mangrove system. And then we want to go much further than that and start to remove residual emissions from sustainable aviation fuel operations. The technology itself offers some great opportunities to completely change the way that people move around economic corridors. One of the reasons I joined Brisbane Airport was because this infrastructure asset sits in the middle of an economic corridor from Noosa to Byron. It's a bit like the economic corridor that's in the northeast of the US or from southern Holland through to to Stuttgart. 
that it's pretty unique in Australia. It creates very complex transport challenges that mass transit modes that really focus travel into a particular point are only partially effective when you have that distributed corridor. And so solutions like micro-mobility with scooters, then vertical takeoff and landing electric aircraft, and then short takeoff and landing fixed-wing aircraft offer a range of really interesting solutions in addition to getting some corridors for automated buses or automated pods moving around. So that whole spectrum of technology offers so many opportunities to change the way that people move. And as we move towards the Olympics in 2032, there's a great opportunity, pardon the pun, but a great runway for us to implement some of these technologies in a progressive way and make an impact on scope three emissions, make an impact on sustainability, but most importantly, reduce congestion and change travel journeys. Speaking of the Olympics, probably still early, but uh, we we know that Brisbane Airport is focusing on a new terminal development in time for that. Any specific design and technology interventions that you're making right now into that process to be sure that it's got a high environmental and sustainability performance come the day that it becomes operational? We really want to push the boat out with that terminal. It needs to be cost efficient and needs to be appropriately developed. So we need to spend our time thinking carefully about resolved design and appropriate levels of infrastructure. That said, carbon positive, an automation heavy terminal that is using the most modern of infrastructure that we can find. Western Sydney are in the process of building at the moment. To an extent, they had a clean sheet of paper, but they also had government overlays and other considerations to the decision-making. We've got a fantastic opportunity here to have a completely unfettered run at this and to build a building and a system that can process travel journeys in a way that just creates an absolutely wonderful experience for everyone involved, but does it in a hyper-efficient way. So we're aiming to build between the runways to grow our precinct in a way that can be expanded in a modular way things forward about all the interacting layers of the system that makes sure we have appropriate landside connectivity, transitions in journeys, transitions between domestic and international journeys, all of those things. So that's a great project. We've seen um, many airports now becoming like little cities because they're really a ref- reflection or a microcosm of society and they've got so many other facilities than just uh, handing passengers and, and bags, shops, restaurants, hotels, very much like a mini CBD of sorts. If you were to reference other airports that you've seen across the world, what would you put out there as a real good yardstick or an example of airport city that you can be inspired by? We certainly have a close connection with Schiphol. The philosophy of developing a corridor of adjacent developments near the terminal precinct is something that Schiphol have done very well. And their philosophy of having a whole network of adjacent activities surrounding the terminal, you know, the idea of a co-working through to permanent office spectrum that can create really efficient ways to have meetings, client engagements, through to conferences, through to staff temporarily or regularly basing themselves somewhere through to then taking dedicated spaces, that combining with hotels, that combining with amenities, lifestyle amenities. That's part of thinking through how the airport itself, that role that we play to transition journeys between the ground and the air and the air to the ground and allow people to connect from far away, 
means that ideally we're going to limit that ground journey. We make the ground journey efficient and create things right here. As part of the planning for the new terminal, we're also planning for that integrated precinct adjacent to the new terminal precinct. The other example I'd point to, which again is an obvious one, so forgive me, is Jewel at Changi. That's not a development that's appropriate for us in the form they've implemented there, but it's just a wonderful example of how you can just reimagine what the experience could be. They've created something that is an experience that truly is Singapore and completely changes the way that the building feels. That's combined with the changes they made, for example, to the queuing for inbound immigration. You come down a void, vertical garden, no tents of barriers, sideways desks that's less confronting. You process through and then you go through to Jill. So that's an example of thinking through the system, not just building a project. That's really great to see. So that's the sort of approach we want to take. And I know you've got professional experience and interest and expertise when it comes to different modes of travel. You use the words, the airport is the transition point between air and ground-based modes. Traditionally, people think of air mode at the airports only as your traditional jets and turboprops taking off and landing. But we are confronted with urban air mobility and vertical takeoff, EV tour, and all of these good things. And depending on who you listen to, some people will say that it will happen tomorrow and others say, no, it's very, very far off uh, down the track. It's not ready. And what are your general thoughts about that? Do you think it's something that will be with us soon? And what types of sub-uses might we see? What are your thoughts? The vertical takeoff and landing aircraft are much closer to final certification and commercial operations than perhaps some people may be aware. By 2025, 2026 we will see the first aircraft in commercial service. So that's not very far away. The Paris Olympics will be a showcase. The Osaka Expo will be a showcase. Clearly the Los Angeles Olympics in 2028 will also be an important milestone and we're already seeing California, as it usually does, really lead heavily in this area. The market potential for a transport mode that is infinitely flexible, as long as you have a vertical landing site and can fly as the crow flies in 360 degrees from every vertical with very low noise, significantly higher levels of safety than a helicopter because it has distributed electric propulsion. The motors themselves have a lot of inbuilt redundancy. You don't have fire risk in the same way. You've got very redundant systems, advanced automation, avionics, etc. So they combination of noise and safety makes a significant difference in addition to emissions and then it's really a question of cost so the forecast industry have to commence operations at a price per seat per kilometer the same as a chauffeured car or an uber black at launch mm-hmm. if we take a journey that might take an hour and a half in congested traffic and it takes you 15 minutes a segment of the market would travel privately in a car like that It's not a large segment of the market. It's a reasonable-sized group. Then travelling with two or three other passengers on board a hyper-efficient, really quick journey could be a very attractive proposition. As we move towards removing the pilot from the aircraft, going autonomous and maximising the capability of the aircraft and also the battery technology continuing to improve, we get to an Uber X price per seat per kilometre, and that is completely transformative because it allows journeys to occur in ways that are difficult at the moment. But when you can fly 360 degrees 
in an infinitely flexible way and you get the same journey time, it can, does completely change the way you think about moving around cities. There's an opportunity for, for councils, developers to put these landing sites in, in their community and create the sort of stimulatory effect that an airport has, but on a micro level to encourage clusters of business and economic development. Often I think airports, uh, maybe the smaller ones, struggle to see what they can do today to prepare themselves for that um, change that is invariably coming. What do you think airports can be looking out today to ready themselves? The infrastructure on the ground is relatively straightforward because a, a helipad is all that's required. And for the short takeoff and landing fixed wing electric aircraft, then it's a short runway, which again will be infrastructure that even small strips and aero clubs will have sufficient infrastructure for that. So that's not the difficult bit. It, it's really a question of charging and electrical infrastructure and airspace planning and noise planning. That's the stuff that takes time. And the more stakeholders in the industry that are progressing in this area, the more landing sites that open up, the more airspace corridor planning that's done, the more noise consultation that is done, the more the industry will grow. And that's a benefit for everybody because this is a mode of transport that should be an aspirational purchase for everyone. For some people, it'll be a regular purchase. For others, it'll be something they use occasionally. There's a fantastic opportunity for many regional airports, even airports that are primarily only serving private traffic and, and are in the urban fringe or in a regional fringe within a couple of hundred kilometres of a major city. If you were to play visionary, if you were to describe 10, 15 years from today what you see the airport to be looking like, can you explain the future of a typical airport? Yeah, maybe a good time frame is arriving for the Olympics in 2032. That's close enough that we can all see it. Paris, Los Angeles, Brisbane. That's a pretty interesting yes. sequence. We will be ready. The new terminal will be open and hopefully we have a travel experience that is as automated and touchless as possible for the majority of passengers. And we've got a development that creates an amazing sense of place, a sustainable journey and We've got a carbon positive building and carbon removal happening on site in the mangroves. That's a wonderful picture of the future that we can all really aim towards. I was fortunate to travel for the Sydney Games in 2000 and I always remember the energy. That was the thing that surprised me the most. It's outside the venues themselves. Just the buzz and energy in that city for that period of time was electric. I always remember a moment when we're down at a near circular quay and there was a group of people sitting on a stone wall and there were just people walking past and there was so much joy in the city and energy in the city that this spontaneous clapping started. And so people started doing cartwheels, dance moves, and that's just an example of how that energy can really transform a place. And I hope that we see those sort of wonderful moments emerge in the Olympics and it's a real springboard for Australia to re-rate itself on the world stage and do more than what we did after Sydney. Ron, our audience is composed of young engineers and emerging professionals keenly interested in where the industry is going. Can you paint a future for these young guns in the transformation? I think it's a very exciting future. We have an opportunity to create well-resolved and sustainable developments and to use systems thinking 
very deliberately to make sure that what we are delivering has the user at the centre of the design, applies design thinking approaches and integrates a sense of place and, and good architectural principles into everything we do. The constraints themselves of needing to create well-resolved and optimised designs that also address sustainability are really empowering because they create a reason for doing what we do, that working on the, the materials in that column or whatever it may be in the detail has a purpose. It's not just designing for cost, it's designing for purposes. It's creating that sense of place. It's creating that functionality that makes sure we have seamless journeys. It's allowing people to dwell in a space that's uncluttered visually, that creates a sense of calm in the journeys, reduces stress, and does that in a sustainable way that allows us to keep living on this wonderful planet. The last thing I'd say is that applying sophisticated AI to resolving designs and optimising things is, is an area that I think has significant potential. There's a whole new generation that can really bring that thinking into the design process and creating some very interesting solutions that wouldn't otherwise have been considered in linear thinking. Yeah, we could probably talk for the whole day, but thank you very much for joining us um, and sharing your insights with us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Engineering Reimagined. I think you'll agree the next generation of airports is something we can all look forward to, and it's closer than we think. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and don't forget to follow Oricon on your favourite social media platform to stay up to date and join the conversation. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.